uh, Pastor Joshua and Joy, they're in uh, Waterville today. And um, let us just pray for this service and for what's going on in Waterville. Really expecting God to do some amazing things today. Amen. God, you are amazing in who you are, the things that you do, um, and for what you have done so far, we are so, so grateful. As we will sit down, Lord God, and open up your word and um, just feast on the goodness that is you in that word, I would just pray, Lord God, open hearts and open minds to what it is that you have in store. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Waterville and for our lead pastors and um, what they are bringing to that city and the light that is shining there even now, that your spirit, Lord God, is one spirit, and we are one body, that you would be glorified in every word spoken and in every deed done. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen. Okay, so bulletproof. Um, back in the day, um, when the days when the Bible was written, you know, it was more bows and arrows and spears and swords and all of that other good stuff. And um, this bulletproof series basically is going to go through the armor of God. And um, as I was reading the introduction to the armor. There's so much meat coming before that. Now, looking out over this body, I could see a lot of infants, a lot of spiritual infants. Um, there's some maturity here, but there's a lot of spiritual infants. And I'm not saying that to put anyone down. Um, I know it's some people that's been coming here for quite some time. Um, and there has always been this expectation that we would have that because you have come a long time, you would understand these things. Or because of what we see you doing and some of the growth that we see in you in other areas, that you would understand some of this very basic thing. So if you are one of those people that have been around for a while and think you know everything, I thought I knew everything about football until I took an officials class. Matter of fact, I'm nervous about that test. I thought I knew everything about my wife until I talked to her. I thought I knew everything that I needed to know for me to be a better person. And each day, I still find a way to improve upon myself. So we're all on the same page on this, right? So I want you right now to intercede for me. In this presentation of what I hope will bring a growth to this body that we would spiritually advance up against the enemy. You know, it's like right now, I just kind of feel like we just sitting in a defensive mode, you know, with our guards up and worried about everything and worried about how we are to get things done and worried about who's going to be here tomorrow and not. That's all on God. But what's on us to do it's to do our very best to be a part and to be singular in our minds and in our hearts to what God's plan is for his body. Right? So we're all getting on that in, in that place. I'm feeling that happening. So I'm going to open up in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read all of uh, verses 10 through 13. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this darkness, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when that day of evil comes, 
you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Let the Lord add a blessing unto his holy word. I just want to throw something out there. How many of us, when we very first read this, or up until very recently, when I heard, um, when I seen how Paul broke down this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the power. How many of us automatically go to the human side of this? You know, the cops, the judges, the, right? Yeah, no. No, not at all. Okay, so what he has set us up for here is to understand. How many people believe that there are evil spirits out there even today? I believe it. All right, if you come to this church, if you've been coming for a while, you know, we believe that. Right? Okay, so, and then when, what he has set us up for here is to help us understand. You know, there is rank in that world, just the same way as there is rank here. Right? And so that's what he's setting us up for. I didn't know that for a very long time. I'm like, you know, we get somebody in office up in Washington, D.C. that we don't like. And, you know, but God put them in that place for a reason. So I'm thinking that he's talking about those people. No, he's not talking about those people. He has taken us into that realm. A lot of times we miss the point of what God's message is because we put things into our own little box of understanding of where we are instead of looking at the whole picture. And right here, I just wanted to point that out before I moved on because we are getting ready to go into that realm and we're not coming out of the realm of the spirit world. Understand that. All right? So when you're sitting there thinking, oh, he's talking about me. No, 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 I'm not. If you feel like I'm talking about you, go on, work on it. Give me a call if you need to. But no, we are going to stay in the spiritual realm for a minute. And so... What the day, the way that I wanted to deal with this today is how we should be able to deal, thing, deal with things with the attacks of the enemy as a body. How we can be of support to one another and recognize certain things so that we can help each other through. Does that make sense to everybody here? Are y'all ready for this journey? It's going to be a good one. At least I feel it in my spirit. So my first statement would be, as Christians, we are in a spiritual conflict. This spiritual conflict is described as a warfare of faith. And that's where Ephesians 6.12 kicked that in. Is that we are in a spiritual battle. Right? And faith. My wife told me something one time that I haven't forgot it. I know a lot of times I act like I do. She said, each and every time I catch you in a lie, it chisels off a little bit of the trust that I have in you. It don't actually change everything right then but over 32 years if I'm a big liar all the time it's going to do some major damage to that relationship right in the same sense each and every time we listen to the enemy's lies it chisels away from the faith that we have in our God to be able to come through amen and so this and he played dirty too oh he plays real dirty if he can't get you to believe what he's telling you about yourself, he'll tell you something about somebody else. And then if he can't get you to believe in what he's telling you about somebody else, he'll get you to believe in what you feel about yourself or what you feel about someone else. As a matter of fact, let's open up uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, read like this. Though we live in the, 
in the world. We do not wage war as the war does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So, when the enemy comes at a lie, comes at us with a lie, what are we supposed to come back with? Of, of God's word. Right? So, when I'm feeling like I'm under attack, how many people are, feel, feel like they're under attack at times, right? When I feel like I'm under attack, the first thing that I'm supposed to do is recognize what the attack is. You can't put no defense up if you don't understand your attack, right? And a lot of us would say, oh, I'm under attack. Oh, yeah? How? What's coming at you? And is it a spiritual attack? Or is it something that you brought on yourself? These are questions that you have to ask yourself whenever you're going through hardship. And the weapons that God give us, the number one weapon, a lot of people say prayer. Early on in your relationship, it has to be. But as you mature, you will learn your best weapon is his word. Because my prayers, even today, are a lot selfish. There are times in prayer, I will end up saying I more than I say we. I will end up saying me more than I say God. Even in this day, and I'll be trying to work on that. Anybody else going through that? I'll be trying to work on that. And so when I think of the attack that the enemy will put on us and the power that God has given us to demolish, did it say defeat? Nope. Did it say beat? Nope. Demolish. Take out. It ain't around no more. It's no longer a problem. But what do we do? We take the rubble, we pile it in a corner, and then we say, okay, it's over there now. It's defeated. No, it's not because you got it over here. You know, I I heard somebody say once, you know, there's things that I should have put on the cross that I put on the shelf, and then God had to remind me, hey, you still got this shelf over here to clean off, right? And so when he give us those weapons, we have to be able to use those properly. Um, I found in uh, 1 Timothy chapters. Um, 1 verses 18 through 19. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command and keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and good conscience, which some has rejected and have suffered shipwreck with in regard to the faith. Many of us, if you have come here, have been spoken over, right? Somebody has told you, I've seen you in this light. I've seen God ready to, to, to do this in your life or to do this in your children's life. And Paul is telling Timothy, his son, who was, Paul was his mentor, and he's telling him, listen, this ain't no edict. This, I mean, this ain't no light. This ain't no light way to look at this. You have to recognize things for what they are. You were prophesied over, right? And you need to recognize the truth and what was spoken over you so that you could put up a good enough fight. And then he says, but hold on to this faith. And in good conscience, take care of yourself, right? Now, a lot of people step over other people and don't care how other people feel when they're trying to correct them. It's not our job. It's not my job to try to break you down. It's always 
God's word says to build you up. <laughs> Ain't nowhere in God's word say to break you down. So even when I see you doing things that will leave you susceptible to an attack, if I can approach you in a way that makes you feel comfortable enough not to know that you are under attack, I'm going at it the wrong way. I need to change my strategy. I need to change what's going on with me. And this is kind of opening up the door, and it's a good segue to uh, my next session, which is Satan's schemes. All right? How many people know that the devil is slick? Right? He's been slick from the very beginning. How was he introduced to us? Anybody remember? How? Jay. <laughs> Where you at? Where was he at? The serpent in the garden, right? That's how he was introduced to us. And what did, what did the word say about him? He was more cunning than any of the other creatures. Right? So, here's how cool God is in revealing things even in this day. Satan is a masterful strategist, strategist who seeks our downfall by his various schemes. Some of the devil's schemes are to perpetuate division in the church, unbelief in, compromises, in the compromises of God, discouragement, temptation to sin, compromise of conscience, unforgiveness, getting our eyes off Jesus, fear, accusation, indulging in the silver nature, spiritual apathy, and much, much more. Give y'all a minute to think about this. Right? How many churches have you been to where you left with an offense? That was like the number one thing that spoke out to me in preparing this message. All they want is your money. Pastor didn't even speak to me today. They didn't compliment me on my dress. Right? Unbelief in the promises of God. Why the heck is it that Micah drive a new car? I make more money than him. But he manages it better. Right? Oh. I just can't seem to get nothing right. Nobody wants to work with me in ministry. Nobody's asked me to do anything. How many people feel like that in here? I hear that more often than not. Nobody's ever even asked me to do anything. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember last week walking up to you saying, you know what, we need a driver. You got license? I remember walking up to you a couple of weeks ago saying, you know what, I am up here like four days a week cleaning the bathroom. Are you open during the middle of the evening or later or early in the night um, to come up here and help me out with this? I remember asking, you know, several people to do other things in ministry when, okay, pastor, I'll pray about it. And I ain't got no problem with that. People do pray about things. They do need to check in with God with things. Um, my favorite go-to is, wait a minute, let me check with my wife. She is my calendar. That is no lie, people. I am not blaming my wife. I'm not putting it off on her. I have no idea what my schedule is. But there are certain things that we need to do to be willing to make a change in our 
cycle of doing things to kind of get out the way. And these things that I've listed, there are, uh, they're just a few. How many people understand? I did not know what apathy was until I looked it up. I'm the only one. Okay. Anyways, my understanding of what apathy is, you are just so comfortable with where you're at that you're not willing to do nothing else. I got this. I bet you when that batter went up there and faced the same pitcher he had been facing for 11 years, Mike, I'm talking baseball. You understand what I'm saying? You're familiar with the pitcher. You know what pitch he's going to take. You're standing up there at the plate. You see him go back, and he's rocking into his pose, and he's getting ready to toss that ball at you. And then all of a sudden, he loses control, and it's coming at your head. What do you do? Now, if you are in your position, you know you need to stand off a little bit to the left because he's going to put that off to the, put that off on the inside, and he's going to put that little sorry old uh, slider in there that gives you enough time to swing on it, right? Well, the enemy sets you up the same way. He gets you comfortable in who you are and where you are, and you become ineffective, right? And then the whole indulging in the sinful nature. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not even going to put this question out there. There are many people that attend here at Vision Ministries that say, that's just who I am. Well, that's, that's just who I am, Pastor. I, I just get mad. That's just who I am, Master. I'm kind of I'm happy. I'm kind of flirty. That's just who I am, Pastor. You know, I just don't get along with people. It's a lie. Can I put it out there for you? It's a lie. If it goes against the word of God, right? Right? If it goes against the word of God, if it's causing problems amongst the people that is around you, why can we not recognize it for that? Well, people just need to accept me for who I am. Not in this body, we don't. In this body, we expect change. In this body, we expect growth. In this body, we expect excellence in your attitude, in your actions, and in your service. How can we do those things if we're cool with who we are? If I'm okay with who I am, I need to be fired. I want to grow. I want to come to a greater understanding of who God is. So since I have that attitude, I think the people around me should have that attitude. If you look at the people that I have around me most, each and every last one of them add to me. They make me better. Starting with the number one person in my life. It's a daily challenge to keep up with this woman. It really is. And anybody that knows my wife knows what I'm talking about. She is on the move. It is a daily challenge just to keep up. And I'm the man, so I got to beat her. Ain't happened yet, but I still try. Right? And so when we look at some of Satan's schemes and the lies that he's throwing at us, then how are we going to recognize what they are? Look at my next statement. At the present time, we are involved in a spiritual warfare that we wage by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, 
you will live. Anybody here ever had death by chocolate? Y'all don't know what death by chocolate is? Huh? I know Mikey know what it is. Mikey, you don't count, man, because you cook everything. Right? Anybody else in here know what death? Death by chocolate is chocolate on chocolate on chocolate on chocolate on more chocolate and then chocolate syrup. <laughs> I know I had the Costco. <laughs> okay, how about the triple chocolate um, um, muffin? You ever had that thing? Costco chocolate chip cookies. All right, everybody in here done had those because we done passed them out, right? Those things are so doggone addictive, but what does it do to your body, all that sugar, right? Well, in the same sense, we think if we go gluten-free, sugar-free, and all that other crazy stuff and just have, you know, a shell of what it is that we're eating, we're okay. Well, sin isn't that way. Sin is like Jesus would say yeast. You know, you put a little bit of yeast in there, Leave it out overnight. You come up, you got a whole loaf of bread because that yeast works its way through. Well, sin, it works its way through. And then the way you live matters. Oh my God, how many times do I have to talk to people about their face? Well, pastor, I just got that rest and mean face. What? Then you need to change your life. Right? Because I used to have a rested, as my wife or anybody that has known me in the past, I had a rested mad face. When I walked down the street, I walked down the street like I wanted to do damage to somebody. Like, yeah, just go in here and say something to me. I am so serious. Ooh, I just want to hurt somebody right now. I had that on me. But people see me now, they want to give me a hug. Big difference, huh? So I don't want to hear about, no, I got a resting mean face. I got a resting. No, don't let the enemy uh, uh, deceive you in who you are. You are a child of the living God. The way that you go at things is not the way you used to go at things. He's not going to be able to deceive you into believing that you are less worthy than anyone that God said you could be. How many of us want our kids to grow up to be a criminal? None. How many of us would want to sit next to a hospital bed and watch them slowly die? This is why we give them rules, right? Right? Don't go out in the street. Cars come down the street. They're heavier than you. You're a pancake. Right? Don't touch that light bulb. It's hot. Don't touch that light bulb. It's hot. Ah, it's hot. Told you it was hot. They don't touch the light bulb no more, right? So we have to find a way to get away from that. Now, we need to get to figure out how to work these things out. So I put a few scriptures together to kind of help us along the road. Amen? Okay, we need to find out how to handle things through the word that will get us to understand how to fight the attack that the enemy sends that has us going with the sinful nature. So I got to hear against the sinful nature. In other words, when you are tempted 
this is some of the scripture that I like to go to that kind of help me um, fight those urges. Does that make sense? Like, anybody got go-to scriptures that they go to for different situations? If you haven't grown to that point yet, get there. You know who I learned that from? It's kind of funny. Didn't learn that one from my wife. Learned it from my daughter. Oh, my God. This girl, she fights everything with the word of God. Mm-mm, we got to fast. Oh, no, we got to pray. Oh, no, we got to. Yeah, I know I got this going on, but this is what I got to do to combat it. Well, anyways, this is what we're doing right now. So, against the sinful nature, here we go. Dear friends, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 reads like this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Long story short, okay? The way you live is the way people treat you. The way you carry yourself is the way people treat you. So if you want to keep that sinful nature in your heart, if you want to still walk around with that, come on, bring it on, buddy. Right? I still don't believe to this day if somebody out there better than me. I, I I just didn't run across that person, right? I did get beat up, but I still don't think they were better than me, right? And so in the same sense, if I walk around and I continue with that attitude, right, how are people going to treat me? I ain't getting no hugs, am I? Right? And so we got to get out of following what it was that used to work. Here's the, the cool thing. The sinful desires which wages what? War against your soul. Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, something inside of you changes. You don't get very comfortable with some of those things that you know is sin, right? The things that God is able to allow you to pull those blinders off of, right? It might be the way that you treated your dog. I'm going to put it just that basic. You used to just, hey, Pepe, I'm home here. Here's your little milk bone, and let me put some water in your cup, and let me um, make sure that it's food in the bowl, and then you leave, and you don't give Pepe no time, and he's lonely, and he don't got a friend to play with, and his little favorite toy is all tore up, so it ain't fun no more. You ain't never hardly around. You've been very neglectful of who he was and things like that. In the same sense, you know, if you starve your soul of that sinful nature it doesn't be who you are no more right so maybe you've outgrown Pepe be nice right find another home for Pepe because you ain't taking care of Pepe and in the same sense if Pepe was a problem when you come home and your favorite shoes got teeth marks in them and you know pillows are torn up and Things like that, yeah, now we're in another area that we don't need to be in. But how others look at you matter. That's the point I wanted to bring out in this. How others look at you matter. All right, I love using this example. We still got a whole lot of empty chairs in here. Why do we have empty chairs in here? Um, Because you ain't bringing them in. Just flat out. If the light that I shine isn't a light that attracts, then I need to adjust my bulb some. Some of us try to outshine everybody else. That's not for us to do. The word here says that so that they will be able to see your good deeds. 
In other words, your attitude, what it is you do, and the way you go about doing it, of course the enemy is watching. And are they going to be grateful? Come to Vision Kitchen late month with a bunch of people there. There is a whole lot of ungrateful people there. But the people that serve, serve with a smile. They serve with a good attitude. I mean, you could just feel the shift the moment that the people hit the floor to serve. This is why we started serving, so that we can inundate all of that evil, all of that negative energy, all of that that the world has put on them, and show them a personal touch of God's grace that they would feel and having us serve them a plate. Oh, no, 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 no. Sit, sit, sit down. Let us bleach. What? But shoot, y'all going to take forever. No, I'm going to see to it that you eat real fast because you look hungry. Right? It, it, it matters how you look. Here we go. Against ungodly pleasures of the world and temptations of every sort. James chapter 1, verses 3 through 15. I mean, sorry, 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to How many people feel like that's the hardest verses in the Bible? I do. Yep, those are the hardest verses. One, because it says, the first thing it says is, God don't tempt nobody. Right? Why is it when the enemy come to, come to attack us, the first thing we say is, oh, God is testing me to see if I can get through this. Right? No. That's, isn't that contrary to what the word just said? Right? That's very contrary. When tempted, not when tested, right? Not when, how many people think you got to pass the test with God? Just, I want to know. Right, okay, so we're all on the same page with it. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. God cannot be tempted by evil. So why is he going to put something on you that he's not willing to take on himself? That he's not capable of taking on himself. Evil come in the presence of God, it's over with, right? I can't wait till I get to that point. Evil comes, oh, this Pastor Earl, let me get out of here. Right? Said, but here's where the temptation comes. What do I like? Oh God, I like wearing these clothes. They make me look so good. So what if they're a little bit tight? I need people to see my biceps. Or I need people to see this hourglass figure that I work so, so hard on. Or how about this? <clears throat> I don't talk in public because I'm scared. Right? I remember I used to worry about what I would say when they gave me the mic. As a matter of fact, I got expelled for a couple of months for something that I said over the mic one time. And, well, I wasn't really expelled, but I never did get around to getting back on the mic after something that I had said over the mic. And, you know, I grew from it and everything. But when we talk about our very own temptations and what it is 
that we bring on ourselves. Um, I am 56 years old, right? Many of those 56 years have been spent doing bad things. So I go from more of the 56 years doing bad things and less of the 56 years doing good things, there's still going to be some bad things that I hold on to, right? And I'm just breaking this down. For those of you that think I'm talking to kindergarten level, yes, yes, I am talking kindergarten level because we need to come to an understanding as a body of how deceitful this enemy can be in setting us up to continue on the path that we've been on when I'm looking for us to be on a greater path. Am I making sense to everybody in here? In order for us to come to that greater glory, we have to come to a greater understanding together on what it's going to take for us to get to the next level. And the first thing is to own our own stuff. Own it. Yeah, I still fight every day because it's what I like to do. Okay. But don't expect to be standing at that front door because somebody might come in that you don't like and you might sock them in the eye. They won't come back. That's not what I want. But there are times that we're up here and the building is open. And when the building isn't open and some things that you could do where you don't have to deal with people until you work through that issue. So what are we doing? We're opening up an opportunity for someone to improve their self, right? Through service and we're giving more glory to God while they're working on those things. How about this? You're not sinning until you give in to that temptation. So how many people have been sucked in? You got dressed, you're ready to go to the club, they're on their way over to pick you up. You know it ain't right. You know you're going to get drunk. You know you're going to jail because this is your, this has been your pattern with that. But you Get up, get dressed. They're on their way over. We got cell phones now. You call them and say, you know what? Last time I was with you, I went to jail. I'm not going. So you don't go to jail. Well, in the same sense, you know what? You might have that evil thought. You might have a thought about picking up that phone to call that person that tempts you in sin. But until you allow them to answer the phone and go into the act of doing what it is that you do. And this is like the best lie that ever, the second best lie the enemy has ever told anybody just because you thought about it, you're sin. And a lot of people use the scripture that Jesus said, if you think about adultery, you've already committed adultery. But right here, Paul is saying, and I, I go with Jesus over Paul, of course, of course, of course, of course. But this is one of the ways that was revealed to Paul that the enemy gets over on us is believing because because we thought about it, we've already done it. That's no, 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 no. Because you thought about killing somebody, how many of us will be in jail? Right? Because you thought about putting somebody in the hospital, how many people would be in the hospital right now? Right? I mean, I'm just being real. So let's not fall for that scheme of, oh, because I thought about it, I'm already there. Listen. Once it is birthed in you to do that thing, that's when you pick up your Bible. That's when you pick up your phone and call somebody that you know have already overcome it. That's when you say, I just need you to hang out with me right now because I'm not in the right state of mind to be able to get through this issue that I've been able to get through. This is why it's important for us to understand who we are in the body of Christ. That's why it's important 
important that it ain't no empty seats in here because each experience brings experience to the next person that has overcome, that strengthens us so that the army can advance instead of sitting there in a defensive mode saying, oh God, they coming, they coming, they coming, they coming. Come get me. I've been waiting on you. You know why? Because I'm not ready to die yet. Physically or spiritually. And let me tell you something. It is so much easier to give up than it is to fight that battle. These battles are hard. It's extremely difficult for you to admit how bad your fart smells unless you're a man. I know. <laughs> Went a little bit too far on that one. It's better than the poopy one that Pastor Joshua always puts out. I'm just in the farts. And this smelly one, when you're around your boys, dudes, am I lying? Yep, that one was mine. But let somebody of the opposite sex be around. You don't even have to be attracted to them. Who did that? That wasn't me. Yeah, y'all laughing because y'all know, right? I done got off track here. Lord, please forgive me. Bring it in, people. We got to get real serious here. We are called to be separate from this present world system, hating its evil, resisting and overcoming its temptations and sin. Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 26. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, conceited, provoking and envying each other. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Amen. 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 Amen, pastor. Amen. Amen. Therefore, we belong to Christ and we have crucified all that old stuff. Second biggest lie I ever told. I struggle every day with certain things that I'm just comfortable with being me in. Right? Tell my wife every day, I can't wait till all these kids is grown and gone so that I could just chase you around the dining room table in my underwear. Right? I tell my wife that very often. Just embarrass her to bits, but you know what? I got to put it out there. Right? <laughs> I'm so in so much trouble. But listen, to crucify the flesh... When he put it in these terms, let me know. This is not an easy task. Why? Because crucifixion in its day, and probably to this day, has been the worst possible and most punishing way and the most humiliating way to die. Crucifixion First, they broke you down mentally and challenged who you were. Then they beat your body down beyond its physical limitation. Then they're going to make you work your body and drag that tree through the city naked 
for all to see how lame you were to get yourself caught up to the point that you deserved this kind of death. To be crucified in the flesh means that you, number one, are going to humiliate that sin that has set itself up in your house that has been recognized. Number two, you're going to beat that sin down every chance you get. Oh, no, you ain't raising, you ain't raising up on me. Time for us to get serious around here. This is a fight. This is a war. Lives are at stake here, right? You feed the spirit man, he gets a whole lot stronger. Right? Who do you want to be stronger? If you want the flesh to be stronger, what are you going to do? Death by chocolate. Chocolate chip cookies. McDonald's, 15 minutes after you order, or order some french fries. Should be three. Right? If you feed the spirit man, get into your word, pray, worship, come together as a body, build one another up, give glory to him where he's due his glory, which is in all things. Right? If we do these things, right? Now, provoking and envying one another. Don't get mad because someone else is advancing and it seems like you're in the same place. If you want to get mad, get mad enough to do something about who you are. Well, pastor, I don't understand why, you know, you feel like this person could do this. And I, that's my gift and that's what I do for a living. Really? I would never have known that because I've never seen you active in doing those things around here. Right? Any plumbers in the house? I need a plumber. <laughs> right? Any electricians in the house? We need electricians. But don't get mad at me when you say, you're using the church money to go get an electrician and that's what I do. I don't know that's what you do. We don't take applications like that. Right? Well, why they got to be head usher? I remember last week, they just hurt my feelings. Well, yeah. Where was you at two weeks before that? Dang, I know I'm making some of y'all mad, but get mad enough to do something about it. Don't just sit there and let uh, yourself get so mad that you ain't coming back. Sit there and get mad enough to say, this is my church, doggone it, and I'm going to do everything I can for God to be glorified in my church, for people to be saved. This is our purpose, right? For the light of Jesus to shine from this church, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can for that, so that God can look good. Not me look good, not my wife look good, not my kids look good, not Pastor Joshua Joy look good, not Pastor Ola Renee look good, not Miss Carla look good, not Miss Cindy look good, not Pastor Albert look good, but that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, will look good in everything it is that we do. I'm going to put out the best effort that I can that will kill that envy in you because if I'm putting out my best effort and if this is what it is that I have to offer then doggone it if somebody got something better God bless them because I'll put my efforts up against anybody's without shame amen first John five three through five in fact this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even 
our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm trying to hold it back. I'm trying to hold it back. I'm trying to hold it back because I want you to get this. I want you to understand who you are. This is the love of God. It's to keep his commands. Yes, it's hard, but is it burdensome? Do you feel bad doing it? Does it feel like a weight on your shoulder? You know what? At times, yes. I'll be the first to admit that. But generally, oh my goodness, when I grow, everybody know that I grow because I walk around with my chest like this. Trying to look like Pastor Albert and stuff, throw my arms out. Yeah. <laughs> right? For everyone in here is born of God. Right? Any overcomers, though? Do you feel victory even in defeat? Right? <laughs> Do you know there's going to be a brighter day, brighter day, brighter? I'm the only one. Right? Do you know that anything that the enemy throws at you, it's... You know, we, we, he throw them darts. We got that shield. We throw it up. Right? And it's the shield that takes the damage, not this in here. Our problem is we play with paintballs. And paintballs, they leave marks on you. And those marks that's left on you become offenses. So you're not able to have that faith that he is talking about. We have those issues. We have those issues as a body. We have those issues as individuals. But the best way to get rid of a paintball stain is what? Good choice, Jay. But I'd throw it away. I would. Ain't going to do me no good. If I don't throw it away, my wife is. He's going to wear this again. I know he is. Get rid of those things that messes with your faith. Because that's really all you have. Faith in Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, and his resurrection is who we are. That is the very, that is the most basic, fundamental belief that we have. If you don't have faith in his virgin birth, which is especially in these days, difficult to believe, right? And his death and resurrection, you're in the wrong house. Because I believe that in my heart of hearts, right? So if we have those very basic beliefs, now we grow in an understanding. It's kind of like trying to understand grace. You know, you have the grace of being saved, and then you have the grace that puts you to work, there's, there's, there's uh, different stages of maturity in that, just like there's different stages of maturity in your life. What kid is born walking? Has, has anybody seen one yet? What kid is born ready to speak a full sentence? Has anyone seen one yet? I probably was because I've always been, you know, diarrhea at the mouth. I am so trying to get your attention now. So my way of getting my boy's attention when I was in 
kids' church was, putting them in the army. And since we are at war, I'm going to treat you like you're in the army. And yes, I am a jarhead. I wasn't a jarhead. I am a jarhead. And as a jarhead, the way that our drill instructor got our attention, I do have another jarhead back there. We would hear, everything stops. You stop wherever you are. Your hands go down to your side. Your chest comes out. Your thumb is parallel with the seam of your pants. You don't look to the left, to the right. You don't even breathe too heavy. Until you hear at ease or parade rest. Right now, we need your attention. Army of God. As Christian soldiers, we must wage war against all evil, not in our own power, but with spiritual weapons. I could do this, Pastor. No, you can't. I could do this, Pastor. Man, it's, it's light. I can handle this. No, you cannot do this. Why? Because we, once again, like to take spiritual things and make them physical. And in the same sense, we take a lot of physical stuff and make it spiritual. We get confused. But if you drive, if you call in the pastor's attention, uh, attention, then that makes it spiritual. Don't come to me saying we having problems in our marriage because he don't like putting his drawers in the hamper. Thirty-two years, and my wife still gotta kick those things at me. Well, I got her a couple of times. I got to get myself too, right? She's do. She still have to tell me why you gotta leave this out. But that's not spiritual. That's not sloth. Right? That's not being a pig. Well, it is, but not to the point where she should divorce me. So why am I going to run to the pastor? Pastor, why come he won't do that? Pastor, why come he don't call me from work? Pastor, why don't he tell me that I was pretty today? Pastor, she don't give me the attention that I need. Shoot, I work all day. I come in. Dinner should be ready. <laughs> yeah, you all wrong. My marriage didn't work that way. So let's try to take a look at some of the things that, we, that would help us recognize the difference between what's spiritual and what's physical and what weaponry we should use for that. Um, amen? Setting us up real good for that. For uh, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Every woman that got a husband in here, hallelujah, shut up and listen to God and what it is he got to say. Every man that got a wife in here, hallelujah, don't shut up, but bring it down the level so that I can hear what it is that God got to say. Hallelujah, hallelujah for every mama and daddy in here that's trying to guide their grown kids life that's going to make the decisions that they want to make get out of their way because just like you they hear the voice of God they have the exact same weaponry in their closet that you have if you brought them up the way that you thought you did if you have in your heart what God has placed in your heart to go up against this battle, it's not just going to defeat, it's going to demolish the strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds in my life was, you know, alcoholic, 
and drug addict father, alcoholic mother, alcoholic stepfather, alcoholic brothers and sisters, and most of us were addicted to in some form or another. Um, what's another stronghold? Ah, oh, yeah, there's attitude. Bad, bad, bad attitude. Get the first punch in. What's that? That's a stronghold. Right? Come on. Start naming them in your head. What are you battling with right now? What is it that's most difficult for you to let go of right now? Offense. Offense is a very strong, a very good stronghold. There are strongholds that I, to this day, am still trying to get work myself through. And then, um, we do live in the world. And the world influences us. The latest influence right now and the biggest thing that's going around is this transgender stuff. Okay, I am not a scientist. I do not understand biology that way. But um, it's my understanding that even scientists say, you know, you're either X or Y. So why are you taking this and taking that? And God made me this way. So why are you taking this and taking that because of a thought that's in my head? You know what? For many, many years, I wanted to be white because I thought y'all had it better. I ain't going to lie. And then I look at Michael Jackson and figure out, yep, that wasn't going to work. Thank God for your grace. I do not want us to be deceived into thinking the way that the world thinks should ever, ever, ever have a part of the way the church thinks. Because we don't go at our problems the way that the world goes at their problems. We don't, we are very much responsible for setting the standard for the morale of this nation. So if it's accepted in the church, it's accepted everywhere. There's the argument back and forth whether there should be homosexual marriage in the church. There's no such thing. God said that there is to be man and woman that is joined together. He ain't say nothing about Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. So, but once the church got to arguing about it, now the whole nation is saying, yep, it's okay. Not in this church. The word of God say it's not. We have to set the standard. Now, we're, uh, please, please, please be in attendance and be here for this entire series. This bulletproof, suited and booted, however you want to look at it, uh, series is going to help you. And uh, for those of you that have internet and know how to use it, um, I'm going to be all over Pastor Joshua to put this stuff on the cloud like pretty quick so that we can put all of this stuff together and use it because when we get into the belt of truth, when we get into the different weaponry that we are going to need, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, when we get into those things and we break them down, that kind of unifies us in the way that we are going to uniformly attack these things that come at, that the enemy throw at us. Am I making sense? You cannot be an effective army if you do not have the same kind of training. Well, we cannot be effective in ministry if we're not trained up the same way. Right? A lot of people don't understand why me and Pastor Albert gets along so well. 
for our personalities to be the same as they are and for us to be as domineering and as loud as we are. Yes, we get that loud in public too. Right? But, man, he is so organized. He is so good at training people up. He is so everything that I'm not. Remember what I said about people adding to me? He adds to me in that respect. In the same sense, you need to choose people that's going to add to you, not people that's going to cater to you. Right? And sometimes it hurts. Albert could tell me some things that I won't hear from nobody else. Right? There's people in my life that God set up that way. I want you to have people in your life to set you up that way. But as a body, we need to come together as one on the way to deal with the enemies of thoughts. Amen? Can I get you to stand up real quick? I know this was a hard lesson. It, it, was, it was hard for me to prepare it. And I was pretty uncomfortable in doing so. The reason why, and I'm just going to put it out there and be as honest as I possibly can in saying this, um, there's many of us in here that wasn't ready to receive this. It's kind of like living with your girlfriend. When you live with your girlfriend, you always have that option on the table to walk away and to not lose anything. Really. Maybe your clothes if she's smart enough to bleach them out before you can get them out the closet. Maybe your tires gets outside before you do. <laughs> Just saying. But you walk out of that relationship and legally you, you lose nothing except for the roof that was over your head which was temporary in the first place because you never had that commitment. Today I want us to be committed to the cause of Christ to the advancement of the Arby for his light to shine in us that others will be able to see his glory through us. This series is set up to show us how to use the weapons that he has given us to not only defend ourselves, but to advance. What did he tell Peter? Not even the gates of hell would be able to withstand. That takes work, brothers and sisters. That takes commitment. That takes a desire to allow him to grow in us. So if you're satisfied with where you are, fix that. Never be satisfied with where you are. Because God is without limitation. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind will ever be able to comp comprehend his death. And what it is that he has in store for those of us who love him. So here's my question. What does he have in store for you? Has your heart desire began to change. Have you learned that I'm not the most important thing in the world?